these events. That being said, we're talking about baggage today, and this series really uh, has been an incredible series, uh, I believe. Um, really, it's really kind of walking through different thoughts or different things that we have that we kind of just carry with us that we don't realize uh, that we're carrying maybe. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 is really where we get the text for the whole series. We've read it every single week. You know it probably by heart now. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse two, I wanna show you this here. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside, besides God's throne. So, so since we're, carrying, we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness, let us lay aside or strip off every weight, this, this baggage. Let's lay it aside so that we can run the race that God has called us to. And how do we do this? By keeping our eyes, go back to verse two, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. By keeping our eyes on Jesus. I wanna talk to you about the baggage of distractions today. The baggage of distractions. We are living in a world that is filled with distractions. And it's not just for people like me that are like squirrel, squirrel. You know, we're living in a world that is filled where all day, every day, and everything that we do, distractions are coming in front of us. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today because it says to keep our eyes on Jesus. Well, here's what I know about the enemy. He knows the goal for us and how we really run the race is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So the goal of the enemy is going to be, the enemy of our soul is going to be, okay, let me distract them from keeping their eyes on Jesus. Why? Because this will ha- if they keep their eyes on Jesus, they're gonna be able to run the race and strip off all the weights and it's gonna continue to help them be who God's called them to be. So let me distra- distract them, excuse me, from keeping their eyes on Jesus. We get our story today in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. It says Jesus and his disciples were on their way And he came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the woman, who sat at the Lord's feet, excuse me, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her, come help me. She's serving Jesus. She's trying to honor him. She's trying to love him. Mary, her sister, is sitting at Jesus' feet. She sees Mary. She's stressing out about everything that she has going on. She sees all the things that she's trying to do for Jesus, and she goes to Jesus. She says, Jesus, you got to tell my sister, kick her if you got to, get up and come help me. Here's what he says. He says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered. Why couldn't Jesus just say Martha? Why is he got to say Martha, Martha? You know you're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like your name gets said twice. Okay, anyways. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will, be, it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken 
away from her. I want to talk to you about the baggage of distractions from what I see in this scripture. Again, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, talking with Jesus, having conversation with, with Jesus. And Martha is running around with her head chopped off. She's running around trying to figure out what to do, trying to make everything perfect, trying to do all the things, trying to serve, which she had a good heart for. But, and she goes to Jesus and complains about it. And Jesus says, wait a minute, Martha, let me explain something to you. There's only one thing that is more important. There's no thing more important. And here's what he says. And Mary's figured it out. It's to spend the time in a relationship with him. Back to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since we were surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, it's the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Here's what I know about distractions. Distractions create disconnection. Distractions create the purpose of why the enemy wants to create distractions in our lives is to disconnect us from Jesus. Martha was so caught up in serving Jesus that she forgot the most important thing was connecting with Jesus. We as Christians, as believers, we can get so caught up in doing so many different things that we can forget the very most important thing about our relationship with God. It's not serving God. It's connecting with God. Serving God is very important. Yes, serving and loving and honoring. Yes, that's all great. But it starts with connecting with him and keeping our eyes on him. And here's what we know about disconnection. Here's what happens. If we can get distracted, Here's what happens. We're distracted. That means we're busy. We're busy doing something. And from being busy doing something, here's what happens. We become disconnected. From disconnection, here's what happens. From being disconnected, now our relationship begins to deteriorate. deteriorate excuse me. It's the same thing for those that are married in the room. The more disconnected you are with your spouse, the more likely your relationship with your spouse is deteriorating. It's important that we would continue to stay connected. Why? Through connection continues to create intimacy, continues to create relationship. This is the most important thing about your relationship with your spouse. It's the same thing with God. We can get so caught up in being distracted of doing all these different things or these things going on in our lives that we can forget the very most important thing is my connection with God. Everything flows from that. It would be like if I have this backpack. You're probably wondering, why does he have a backpack up here? I'm glad you asked, okay? It's like if I had this backpack up here, okay? I got all these. Let me see if I can fit this. Okay, we're just going to do it. Okay, and so I have all, these are all distractions. I know they're water bottles, but they're distractions, okay? I have all these things that are going on in my life. I'm busy with work, and I have school, and I have relationships, and I have friendships, and I have all these things. And then what happens is we start getting stressed out about something that comes up last minute. Then somebody calls us and says they need us for some help. We feel, next thing you know, my life is now full. Now I'm trying to, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to live my life and I'm trying to, this is my heart and it's so, in my life, it's so overflowing. Here's what happens. Now I have all this weight that I'm carrying and then when I want to spend time with God and I want God to be a part of my life, now I just try to fit God in. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens with disconnections. With disconnecting from God, we begin to marginalize God. And for marginalizing God, here's what happens. Now, because I only have a limited amount of time of connection with God, here's what happens. His voice is barely even there. So now, when anything else happens, next thing you know, his voice is the first thing that moves or is removed from my life. 
My time with him is the first thing that's removed from my life. Now, here's what happens. From that, here's what happens. From our relationship with being marginalized with him, now what happens is now it's easy for us to, to adopt other voices in our lives. It's easy to adopt what the world may say about who I am. It's easy to adopt what the world may say about who someone thinks I am or what someone sh- I should do or shouldn't do or should believe or shouldn't believe. Oh, it's in the Bible, but you know what? The Bible's kind of old and I got so many other things going on. You know what? Yes, yeah, so-and-so says it's okay, so I'm just going to go with so-and-so. And here's what happens. From that, from adopting the voices of the world, now here's what happens. This all goes back to distractions. Here's what happens from that. Now it's easy for us to begin to conform to the world. See, God is wanting us to be a people that transform into who he is and his likeness. But here's what happens. If this isn't the highest priority, if we have all these other distractions going on, here's what happens. This normally is the first thing to go. The disconnection. Distractions create disconnections. And the enemy is not stupid. We oftentimes think the enemy's like this guy with his pitchfork that's just like, <laughs> that's not the enemy. The enemy is smart. He's been around longer than we have. He knows, okay, if I can distract them, I can get their eyes off of Jesus. If I can get their eyes off of Jesus, here's what I can do. Now I can get them to begin to believe something else or a different voice. And here's what they'll do. I don't have to destroy them. I'll distract them and let them destroy themselves. This is what the voice of the enemy is. And we begin to conform. And then here's what happens. This is where our culture is. This is where Christianity is in a lot of different places. Where now we begin to adopt what the world says we should or shouldn't do because it feels right. And this all goes back to being distracted. It's all about having distractions. And there's so many different distractions. And you're like, oh, Pastor Jordan, I'm not distracted. Oh, Pastor Jordan, not me. Maybe the person next to me, but I'm not distracted. I'm glad you feel that way because I'm here today to prove you wrong. (laughs) There are all different types of distractions. I just want to talk to you about a few of them today. But one of the greatest distractions of our generation, of our culture, and our time is digital distractions. The thing that we carry around, literally, they say, no kidding, they say if this thing, this is true statistic, if this thing is in the same room as you, your brain is not able to problem solve like it would if it wasn't. In the same room, not in your pocket, not sitting next to you on the bed, Not on the nightstand. If this thing is in the same room as you, statistics show that you are not and I am not able to problem solve as well as we could or creatively think as well as we could if it's even in the same room as us. Digital distractions. I'm glad we're talking about digital distractions today. Here's what I want to show you. I want to give you all kinds of stats today, all kinds of stats, and I hope you like them because they're stats. They say that the average American touches their phone 2,617 times a day. A day. 2,617 times a day. Leading up to over two and a half hours a day that we are touching and on our phones 
the average American. Oh my goodness, if you're not an average American. You know what they say? They say that the millennials and younger, they average twice that. Over 4,000 times a day for over five hours a day, we are touching our phones. That may be surprising to you. It was to me. They say, I'll give you some more statistics. They say that social media, that the average American, we're not talking about someone that's on social media all the time. We're talking about the average American. The average American, they say, is on social media 705 hours a year. 705 hours. Let's break that down. They say you can read a book within five hours. They say that an average reader, slow readers, maybe around five, five and a half, that you can read an average book in about five hours. If you read a book instead of social media, you would read 141 books a year that were on our phone scrolling. 705 hours, maybe, let me break it down a little further. That is 29.5 days that we are on our phones. A whole month of our year are added up that we are touching and on our phones. And that's just social media. Oh my goodness, that's not Netflix. That's not emails, and that's not text messages, and that's, not, that's, that's just social media that the average American, again, it, the, the average American, we're not talking about millennials and younger. Millennials and younger, they say, can even get to the point of where doubling that in their time of, of, of life. They say that young people under the age, I think it was 25, that young people say that the first thing that they think to do when they have nothing going on to entertain their brain, their brain is to turn on their phone. In a line, they turn on their phones. Waiting for something, turn on their phones. A commercial, they turn on their phones. They're still in front of the screen if they're watching a commercial. Digital distractions. They say TV, now social media is 705 hours. This is just statistics you can look up. They say that TV, the average American, average American, talking about sports, TV shows, Netflix, streamers, anything, all you do. They say the average American watches TV or is in front of a TV 2,737 hours a year. 2,700, you could read 540 books in one year just by the amount of time. They say the average male, gentlemen, we're about to pick on you a little bit. The average male by the age of 21 has played over 10,000 hours of video games. 10,000 hours. Woo! It's a lot of hours. They say that 90% of Americans, 90% of Americans will admit that the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is look at their phone. A digital distraction. This has only been around since 2007, and yet our, our culture and our society has completely changed in just a matter of 15 years. But here's the thing. All the distractions that this phone brings, if we're not careful, and I'm not against phones. I think phones are important. You can connect. I'm not against social media. You can connect with social media. But if it becomes a distraction, we'll become disconnected. And here's what we say. I just don't have time to read my Bible. I just don't have any time to, to get to church. Or, oh, I don't have any time for small group. Uh, yes, we do. We're just so distracted that our time is being consumed by this. And again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be, uh, condemn you or make fun of you. Listen, I'll be the first time to be the one to honest. My alarm is my phone. It's definitely the first thing I look through in the morning, at in the morning. 
I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm the same way. We're all digitally distracted. We are living in a world, in a, in a society, in a culture that is consumed with digital distractions. In fact, there are many people that say that now, because of how much we need our phones, that now we're actually considered addicted to our phones. That's so much so that they say that there are actually people are getting paid all this money to, that in, the, in the tech world that they're trying to figure out. This is literally a step. Let me show it to you. A company said, a, a high CEO said, that uh, the goal is that we would be able to keep your, or get your attention because if we can get or keep their attention, we will get and keep their money. Digital distractions. We're living in a society where people are being paid. People are getting paid Tons of money, companies everywhere, to try to figure out how to keep your attention and my attention. And we think, oh, no, we're not distracted. The goal, and again, it's, it's so spiritual. Oh, my goodness, it's so spiritual. Because we think, oh, no, that's just what everybody does. Oh, no, I'm just staying connected. Oh, I'm just scrolling, watching some funny videos. And that's all great. But if it gets us to the point of where it becomes an opportunity for us to be distracted to the point of where we're not connecting with God, now here's what's happened. This has become an idol. And so the very tool that we could use to, that, to really benefit us, in fact, does the exact opposite, and it hurts us because we're not allowing ourselves the opportunity to really connect with God. I would encourage you, if you're married in the room, start timing. Let your, ask your spouse, time me when you see me on my phone. If you're single in the room, I would encourage you, start timing yourself. You would be shocked at how much you're touching or on your phone. My attention if they're after my attention, we have to understand this. If they have my attention, they have my focus. If they have my focus, they have my heart. If they have my heart, they have my time. And so it's, all, it's so important. Okay, here's the question that we must ask ourselves. What, am I, what is my attention on? What am I spending my attention on? And listen, I'm all for sports. I'm all for streaming shows. I'm all for that. I'm not saying cut it all and get rid of it all. I'm saying here's what we have to do. If it's getting to the place of where it's distracting us from really connecting with God or living for God, something has to change. It's baggage and weight in our lives. Let's keep going. Material distractions, not just digital distractions, material distractions. Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Is everybody all right? I feel like this is, everybody's like, oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help a little bit. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 says, Do not store up yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy but, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp. Interesting. He's talking about not treasuring up, uh, uh, treasuring up treasure here on earth. And it's interesting that he goes to our eyes. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then, if, if then the light within you is darkness, how great darkness will be. And no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will 
aware, is, it not, is not life more than food and the body not more than clothes? Isn't it interesting? We just read in Hebrews chapter 12 that in order to strip off every weight, in order to run the race of endurance that he's called us to, that we must keep our eyes on Jesus. And then isn't it interesting that Jesus now says, listen, he's talking about not storing up our treasures on this earth. And he's talking about not, he's not worrying about the things. And he talks about our eyes. Why? Oftentimes when this scripture is taught, it talks about, okay, well, be careful what you look at. Well, be careful. Don't look at those bad things. Be careful. Because if you look at those bad things, your life's going to be filled with those bad things. And that's true. Be careful what you watch. But in fact, I think he's saying, okay, here's what it is. What my eye is on is what my focus is on and my attention is on. And so I have to be careful in what I put my attention on because what I put my attention on then begins to have my heart and from having my heart, it has my life. Okay, and so now here's what it is. Don't get your eyes so caught up in money that it gets you to the point of where it distracts you from really walking out and living according to God's purpose and plan, not just connecting with God, but living for God. Here's what's interesting. He says two things. He says, don't store up for yourselves, and he says, don't worry. Two things that money does and that we have to make sure that we are careful of, that the enemy tries to distract us with. It's the pursuit of more or the worry of enough. The pursuit of more or the worry of enough. Here's where we are as a culture. We are doing one or the other. We are either pursuing, I have to make more because I need my kid to go to this school or I need to have this car or I need to have this house because my house is too small. I got to have this amount. I got to pursue more. Or we're on the other side and we're saying, God, I just need you to provide. Oh my gosh, how am I going to take care of it? What am I going to do? And we're stressed. And both sides distract From the point of this, he says, don't worry about your life. He he says, in fact, he even says, don't even worry about what you wear. Come on, somebody. We sometimes be caring about what we wear. He's saying, listen, don't worry about anything. He says, listen, in another another, uh, chapter of the Bible, he says, he clothes the lilies of the valley. If he clothes the lily of the valleys, he's going to take care of us. And so here's what we do. It can become such a distraction because we're pursuing more to this is what we happen. Here's what happens. We pursue more to the point of where we give more of our time. From giving more of our time, here's where the distraction comes. By giving more of our time to to the position or the promotion, here's what happens. Now... I have less time from family. I have less time for friends. I have less time for God. Now I go back to the same excuse. I just don't have time. Here's what it is. This is what we're doing. We're saying, all, oh, there it goes. See, I'm just losing distractions. And here's what it is. We're like, we're filling ourselves up. And so then this is the last thing, which is, I just, I, 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 gotta, I gotta get back to work. I gotta work those 80 hours. I gotta, I gotta, and here's what happens. I got no time. And so you know what? I'll just catch him on Sunday. Church was never meant to be the source of our connection with God. Church was meant to be a, a, a boost, if you will, for those of you that work out, a pre-workout. Come on, somebody. You know, you start pre-workout, and you're like, Aah! that's what church was supposed to do for your relationship with God. Come on, pre, come on, workouters, you know what I'm saying? Workouters, I don't even know if that's a word. Come on, people that work out, you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, like that pre-workout kicks out, you're like, hands are shaking. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that's what church was supposed to do. That's what church is supposed to do. Church was not supposed to be the source. Let me think about it. If you just took pre-workout as your workout, it's not going to do anything. 
But we expect, oh my goodness gracious, I'm just preaching to you for a second. But we expect church to fill us and feed us for an entire week when that was never your intention. It was meant to build you up so that you can go out and say, now all week I'm going to work out my salvation with God. I'm boosting myself in my relationship. I'm not using it as a source. That's what distractions do, though. If we get so caught up in pursuing money, we get so caught up in, I don't have enough money, our distractions are so off, here's what we end up doing. Oh, I'll go to church, and oh, man, I hope God speaks to me today. Oh, man, I hope Pastor Jordan's got a good word today. Whoo, Pastor Jordan, I need you this morning. And then you don't get it. You're like, man, I'm going somewhere else. My role is to feed you and boost you, yes, but my role is never to be the source for you. That's old covenant. We have a new covenant. We have a God that loves us. Oh, my goodness, it gets me so excited, that cares for us, that is here for us, that walks with us and talks with us, that is at our jobs. He's at the hospital with us. He's within our relationships. He's at home, wherever we are, and all he's looking for us to do is say, God, I want to remove the distractions, and I want to connect with you because I know You're the most important thing in my life. Material distractions. Social distractions. Social distractions. I'm glad I still have like eight points. This is good. Social distractions. Here's the question I'd love for you to ask yourself. We're talking about social distractions. How many mailboxes do you have? When I say mailboxes, I don't be like, well, I have one outside my house. (laughs) We have emails, most of us, multiple emails. We have inboxes and Facebook, and we have inboxes and Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok, and we have, we have LinkedIn, and we have, we have regular mail. We have text messages. We have, we have all these different connection points. There's probably, if we really counted, we probably have 10 access points at least of where someone can reach us at any moment of any day. Recently, uh, one of my neighbors, and I, you know, I feel bad for my neighbors because you know, anything that happens, they get preached about. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> Recently, one of my neighbors, uh, their daughter was going to school early in the morning, and uh, they they just smacked, I mean, just ran straight over my mailbox, and just, I mean, it was like, it was like a movie. I mean, it was, it was everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Well, here's what was interesting. For almost two weeks, Ash and I didn't have a mailbox, but without having the mailbox, the mail, the mail lady won't bring it to our front door, so I wasn't getting mail for two weeks. I was stressed. That I wasn't getting mail. What if a bill comes? What if the bill's not on time? I gotta pay the bill. What if somebody, what if, what if somebody writes me a million dollar check? <laughs> no, no, not so much? Okay, cool. I mean, I, we can pray, right? Praise God. And I, we, I was stressed because I, 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 we didn't get mail for two weeks. And it made me think of this. It's oftentimes the same way that we have to feel so available all the time that if I'm not, I'm going to miss something. If I'm not, I'm not going to get, somebody's not going to get a hold of me. Like if this, if I turn this off, heaven forbid if I turn this off, like no, I can't, no, if I turn this off, like no, then like what if, what if my job needs me? Or what if, what if my boss, what if if somebody else, what if my friend, and and we get so worked up, here's what happens that we, we, we allow ourselves to be, to justify and use excuses of why we always have to feel connected to everybody socially. 
Oh no, I have to, I have to read this email or I have to read this text or I have to, I have to get to reach out to that with that DM or I have to respond. I have to do this. And that's not even talking about the likes and the comments. Oh, somebody, I got to make sure that I'm scrolling and liking so and so's pictures. If I don't like so and so's pictures, they're not gonna like my pictures. And if I don't like my picture, they're not gonna like. Ah. And here's what it is. This we have this 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 social. Distraction where we feel like we have to always be available. There's only one person on the planet that we should always be available to. Now, if you're married, your spouse, obviously be available to your spouse. But I'm talking about there's, that really Jesus is the one that we should always be available to at all times. We should, always be, we should always be at the place where we're saying, okay, God, I just, I'm more concerned about my connection with you than being available to someone. I'm not saying ignore your friends. I'm not saying that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this need to feel like we have to be available. And again, you got to realize, go back just literally 15 years ago. For those of you who are too young, let me tell you something. If you weren't home, they couldn't find you. They had to call your house. And guess what? You're not there. And here's what they say. Just have them call me back. Nobody got upset. Nobody thought they got ghosted. Nobody thought it was an issue. Here's what it was. It's just, just call me back. It's the same thing for you and I. We have to realize we, we've gotten to the place. And here's what I'll just, let me just, let me just give you a, a moment of freedom in your life. No one is that important. Your spouse is so important. Yes, if your spouse calls you, gentlemen, answer it, okay? You're going to be like, well, Pastor Jordan said I ain't got to answer my wife. <laughs> Call you later, I'm on the golf course. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's called taking things out of context. <laughs> what I'm saying is, let me tell you something. Life went on before you, and life's going to go on after you. And so here's what we do. We have to make sure that in the moment, in the season that we have here on this planet, that we would be people that first say, I understand the priority of I want to just connect with the God of the universe. And from that, everything else flows. There's so much baggage that comes and is removed solely based on just our connection with God. There are so many things that no human on this planet can do for you. That only God can. And here's what the enemy knows. I know if I can distract them, they'll never receive that freedom. I know if I can distract them, they'll always deal with that insecurity. I know if I distract them, they'll always struggle with that situation. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring all these different things because here's what I, I don't want them to do. I don't want them to keep their eyes on Jesus. Like, well, how do I do this? How do I, how do I remove these distractions? I'm glad you asked. Very quickly, as we close today, I'm gonna give you two quick things I believe are so important in how we remove distractions and remove the baggage of distraction. Luke chapter 10, verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, you had, that had been made. Uh, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. The first thing I believe that we are to do as far as in removing distractions in our lives, is we have to slow down. Slow down. The term slow in our culture is negative. If you're in traffic and someone's going too slow, you get frustrated. Now get in the right lane. The left lane's for the fast people. If we go to a restaurant 
and someone doesn't bring your order as quickly as you think, we say, that service is, mm, you're with me, I'm glad you're with me, praise God. We, we watch a movie, and it's not as entertaining as we want. We say, ah, oh, this movie is, we get on the internet, and the Wi-Fi's not working like we wanted to, and we're like, we say, man, your Wi-Fi is, we're driving down the road. And the same construction people have been out there for five years. And we say, man, these people are. The concept of slow in our brains is negative. But in this term, it's a positive. Why? Because if we slow down, it helps us be present. I love the little signs in the mall and in the amusement parks where the first thing I do is go to the map. I'm like, babe, where are we going? She's like, oh, let's go here. I'm like, go to the map. I look and it says, you are here. You're here. I have to know where I am in order to get where I'm going. As far as in our walk with God, oftentimes our brains are going a million miles a second because we're distracted by all the things going on that we forget the most important thing. Be present. You only get today. You only get the relationship that you're in right now in this season, in this moment. Ladies, he's only going to look as good as he does right now. It ain't going to get better. We're sorry. Be present. You only get the one season with your children. and You only get the one season. You're in school and you're stressed out about education. You only get one season. The season that you're in. Slow down. Be present. Understand God has placed you here in this moment. Be in the moment. I would encourage you. I would say parent your phone. Isn't it interesting that we parent our kids on how much screen time they have, but we don't parent ourselves? I would tell you, if you want to go a step further, put your phone to bed. Certain time, the phone's going to sleep. Everybody in the house, the phones are going to sleep. (gasps) What if somebody tries to call me at 930? Well, guess what? You'll call them tomorrow. Isn't it interesting that we say, oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 babe. Honey, you've been watching the screen now for three hours. Put it away. It's all good. That's it. No more. And they freak out. But then we can sit and we binge watch on something or we're on our phones. And here's the thing. We should be able to, because this is what I believe. If it affects them, it's going to affect us. Just because we're older doesn't mean it doesn't affect us any differently. You don't agree? Okay, praise God. (laughs) I would encourage you. Slow down. If you have the opportunity to, or make the opportunity to do family dinners. Ashley and I, every single night, most of the nights, not every single night, we go out some nights, but we'll sit around the table, and it's me, it's Ashley, and it's Winter. Now, Winter, she's ruling the world and doing whatever she wants. But here's what we know. We do our best to sit at the same table and have conversation as much as we possibly can. Why? Because the connection. Everybody's running around doing all kinds of things throughout all day. And it's the same thing. If you're, if you're married in the room and you don't have kids, that's incredible. Take moments where you spend time one-on-one with one another just having family dinners. There's something about it. If you have kids, bring them in. Like, oh, well, you don't understand my kids. They don't want to. Make them. You want to eat? You're going to eat with me. Come on, somebody. 
You want to eat some food? Because let me tell you something. You ain't eating tonight if you don't eat with me. Sit down. You know? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Slow, the word slow is not negative in this sense, in this concept, because if we understand it, the slower we, I say slower we go, but the more we slow down, the more available we become. Lastly, as I close today, Luke chapter 10 and verse 42, it says, few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Slow down and simplify. Simplify. It's important, I'll say it this way, the most important thing in life is to keep what's important, important. The most important thing in life is to keep what's important, important. In order to truly simplify our lives, we have to know this. This is the question we must ask ourselves. What is important? What is truly important to you in your life? From that, now, here's what happens. Everything else gets scheduled around that. Not everything else for that. Everything else gets scheduled from that. My relationship with God is important. Okay, I'm going to keep what's important, important. My relationship with my wife is important. I'm going to keep what's important, important. My relationship with my kids are important. I'm going to keep what's important to you. Because if here's what I know, here's what I know, and this is what we all know. If we just allow the world to just run our lives, we're going to be everywhere. And we're going to be so distracted and so caught up. Simplify. Listen, here's the question I would ask you. What's important? Then I would ask you this. Maybe what in your life, if we're talking about simplifying, what in your life, and I'm not talking about getting rid of phones, I'm not talking about getting rid of, you do whatever God's calling you to do and asking you to do. But here's what I would ask you. What in your life could you ask yourself as we close today? What is stealing my attention today? Because if it's stealing my attention, here's what I need to do. I need to remove the baggage. What is it in your life and this is what simplifying is. I'm going to evaluate what it is that, I'm, that's, that my attention is focused on. And what is it that's stealing from what I just decided was important. And if it's not part of that, here's what I'm going to do. i got to get rid of it. And I'm going to simplify my life. And from simplifying my life, here's what happens. Now I'm able to spend more energy and more time on what is important. The enemy's goal is not to destroy you. The enemy's goal is to distract us so we get us to the point where we destroy ourselves. I believe this, and this is why we must be a people that keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege, the honor, the opportunity that it is to speak to your people. God, I thank you that you're a God that loves us even in the middle of our distractions. Even when we touch our phones 2,337 times, God, you still love us. God, I pray today that you would help us even speak to us in this moment and God, show us what it is that truly is important in our lives. Help us. Show us. Speak to us. Lord, I ask today as you begin to show us the things that are stealing our attention that you would give us the strength and the boldness to begin to lay those weights that baggage aside. Lord, thank you that you're a God that loves us and helps us and walks with us. Help us to slow down and be present. Help us to keep what's important, important. Lord, we love you. And God, we're honored and grateful 
that you love us so much that we are even able to call on you for help. Lord, I ask today that as we go throughout this week, let this not just be another message that we hear, but God, let this word penetrate our hearts to get us to the place of where, God, we begin to evaluate and we begin to change because we, our desire is to be more like you. Lord, we love you and we worship you with our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen.